Did you get the countdown on your side? I was impressed with the countdown. We're getting fancy with this. Okay. Uh, Well, welcome back to the Mixed Bag Podcast, a For the Ladies podcast in which we talk about everything going on in women's golf. I am Abby Liebenthal, founder and president of For the Ladies, and I do this with Justin Cruz. Um, And we are just, we've got a lot to recap because it's been a while. It has been some time. As I'm looking through the agenda, I can't believe... We haven't done one of these since the Women's Open preview, so a lot to kind of hit on real quickly and a lot to look forward to. Yeah, we're just going to do a really, really quick run-through of the past events, but before we get into it, just want to do some housekeeping items. We have our fall events are live at fortheladies.net. We are headed this weekend to Louisville. I think we only have one spot left, Um, and aside from that, we have Toledo, Ohio, so I'll be reunited with Justin, Um, Denver, St. Paul, Orlando, and Charlotte. I'm... Yeah, excited to see you guys. I will personally be at the Toledo and Louisville events, um, as well as St. Paul. And we've got some great For the Ladies ambassadors in the other locations. So should be a really nice fall season. And hopefully uh, we'll see you out there. Um, and, of course, stay tuned for all of our uh, golf getaways that we've got for 2023. Um, got a lot of work to do in the off season, but excited to, to have some events. Um I realized we hadn't really connected since the wedding, too. We had wedding golf. <laughs> That's about the only golf I've played. I haven't played a, a real meaningful round of golf in quite some time. I had your wedding weekend golf. I had a couple charity scrambles the next couple Saturdays and fundraisers for Friends Foundations. And uh, here we are. So I have nothing uh, substantial to share on the wedding or on the personal golf front what about you no nothing substantial i'm trying to think i we had the wedding golf i didn't really play that day um and then went on a honeymoon um oh i played golf on friday with Aaliyah clark who was the semi finalist runner-up of last year's U.S. Women's Mid-Am, and it was cool to play with somebody who's just, like, so good. Um, you know, she she just makes par from anywhere, and yeah. she's so consistent, and it was just really cool to see somebody who is such a premier amateur golfer um, playing, you know, for, for her, it was probably just a fun round, but, like, she walked while the rest of us took a cart. Like, she just takes it to the next level, and you're like, oh, this is what it's like to be an amateur golfer who's really good, who, like, wants to continue to get better and compete at the highest level. So uh, it was super fun playing with her. Um, I met her when I was working at the American Junior Golf Association, and she was a junior golfer. So wow. we both have grown up a bit since then. Uh, she went on to play at UCLA, and some of her teammates at that time were like, Allison Lee, Bronte Law, uh, Bethany Wu, who's now the UF golf coach. So just a really cool person. Um, lo- love seeing her. But again, it was just a fun round for me, and it was fun to like kind of play but also watch her. <laughs> yeah, as we um, always say, golf connects a lot of people, and that's really the coolest part when you get into it and you play and you meet different people and people from different experiences different backgrounds at different events golf really does have a cool way of connecting people that otherwise you would never meet 
Yeah, yeah. So played a lot of golf, watched a little golf, (laughs) um, and we're here to talk about it all. So um, with that, you know, the week of the wedding was the AIG Women's Open. Ashley Buhai won in a playoff against Inji Chun at Muirfield. Justin and I talked plenty about Muirfield. We don't need to recap it here. Um, The one thing that, like, stuck out in my mind from listening to podcasts and reading things was, was it her husband who, like, was very into the playoff. They showed him a lot lot of coverage. He got a lot of TV coverage, yep. Yes, yes. Um, I guess I I just thought it was really funny. Um, And I was like, is this something that would happen if it was like, like if the roles were reversed? And I'm like, maybe though, because it was very funny. He was stoked, like stoked. (laughs) Right. Um, No, I mean, like we said, it's a great venue. It's great that the AIG Women's Open is going to these iconic venues. It was an yeah. interesting champion. When you talk about the list of the roll call of Muirfield champions, the leaderboard, sure. and how it kind of all evolved, and Ashley hung on and won and hit some great shots and won in a playoff. But a great event, a worthy champion. She played great and hung on to win and kind of a career-changing, trajectory-changing victory. Yeah, so what would you rate it? I, mean, I think this is a high rating. You get a playoff, you get yeah. a golf course. It's that iconic. I love watching golf in the morning. To me, this is you know an eight point nine type rating. This is a high on a scale of one to ten rating. This is a very good event, a very good field, a very strong leaderboard with some very very worthy major champions, players playing very well. You know, right in the mix and. Ashley Buhai wins and credit to her and an amazing purse too. Yeah. Love it. Well, the following um, event was the ISPS Honda World Invitational. Maja Stark won by five strokes. Um, she became the seventh first-time LPGA Tour winner this season, and with the win, she earned immediate LPGA Tour membership. Um, so, big win, of course, all around for her. We've heard her name a lot, though. They, they, I've read something from Beth Ann Nichols about, like, you know, with wins like that and having her and Madeline Sachs are on, like, Solheim Cup teams, like, always kind Kind of top of mind and um they are certainly like identifying who those stars would maybe be in, in 23 yep i agree and you had georgia hall emily christine Pedersen in the in the top five leona mcguire with another top 10 she's consistently rolling along so a good european flair to this event uh a tough spot on the calendar for the event you had players that came over to play that maybe weren't playing in the women's open or some players that hung around that did but a very worthy champion a young champion um and i like their trajectory like you said you get players that you're going to feel like you're going to see in solheim cup feel like you're going to see more in american majors kind of like when lynn grant won a few weeks ago on the let and kind of put her name out there so another good young player and lynn grant was on the leaderboard here again as well so and we stuff. have coffee yeah, golf, you, which I always like. <laughs> yes. Always love watching it early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so then next week was the, which I, we're going to dive into these next two tournaments as they're they're closer in time and they're closer for us. Um, the next one was the CP Women's Open, the Canadian Women's Open. Um, Paula Rita won her first LPGA Tour title by one over Nellie Corda and Hai-Jin Choi. Um, she became, became the eighth first-time LPGA Tour winner this season. Um, that, that count is certainly going up, and they played at Ottawa Hunt Club. Um, 
it was the first time there have been three consecutive first-time winners on the LPGA since 2008. Um, aside from that, some things that stuck out to me personally were, you know, Danielle King returned to the LPGA Tour for the first time since the U.S. Women's Open. Uh, she had shared that she had a tumor on her spine, and she finished T17, so good to see her, like, make have really nice showing that first return and then um on the kind of the opposite end of the spectrum Jin Young Ko missed the cut um and she had missed the cut also at the AIG Women's Open she's had an okay season when you look at it she you know she's had some top 10 finishes but just comparing to 2021 it's incomparable um so just been interesting to kind of see how she how her season has gone what has changed we don't we certainly don't know what goes on behind the scenes but um it was just a note for me. Yeah, I like this event a lot. The crowds were really, really impressive. I mean, I know they had a couple of these events canceled because of COVID. You know, Canada doesn't get a lot of professional golf anymore. There's only one men's event there, and that's kind of been canceled a couple times. So the Canadian crowds really show up in mass. They had the hockey theme hole. I think it was maybe number 17. And... Paul Arito defeats Nellie Corda, Lydia Ko in the mix with a closing 63. Really an impressive, impressive event. A lot of momentum for this event. Um, it kind of sticks itself out. A little bit of a slightly elevated purse compared to some of the other events surrounding it. So mm. I really think this is a, an event that the trajectory, especially in a post-pandemic type golf environment, the trajectory for this event is really, really high. Do you think it's, is it like sponsor related? Is it location? Like what, what is the secret sauce for them? I think there, I mean, I think you're getting the sponsor. It's a, a national open, you know, in Canada Yeah. and where it kind of falls on the schedule where you had some time off from the women's open. And then you kind of start this swing of Midwestern Canada type events where Ottawa to Toledo to Cincinnati if you wanted to play three in a row or two out of those three events feels pretty easy to do yeah. so I just think it's a good event and again the elevated purse helps and the Canadian fans I think they saw 70 some thousand fans over the course of the week 73,000 wow. maybe was the number that's jumping to mind I mean it's super super impressive what is the purse uh, the purse for this event, I think it was, it was over $2 million. The purse for this event okay. was almost $2.4 million. Okay. So you're looking about, you know, five hundred, almost a million dollars more than $900,000 close to the week prior and about, you know, a little more than half a million dollars more than the next couple weeks. So definitely, uh, definitely makes a difference, I think, in field size and the place on the schedule lines up really well, too. Yeah, yeah. And then most recently, um, we had the Dana Open, which is held in Sylvania, Ohio, which is where I grew up. Um, it's a suburb of Toledo, and Toledo's not that big. So as you can imagine, it's a Toledo event. <laughs> um, but Gabby Lopez rallied from four shots behind on Sunday and closed with three straight birdies for an eight under 63 one-shot victory in the Dana Open. Um I see, it seemed like an awesome finish. She uh, posted later on her Instagram stories, like, let's fucking go, and, like, was all hyped up about it. So um, good to see um, the excitement, and I just, like, love, like, 
when you get real emotion out of a player and she certainly brought that so that was really cool um you were there um you played in the pro-am you went as a fan um so certainly got to see a few different sides of it um but before we kind of get into your experience certainly want to just like look at some highlights um, you know, for me, one of those was Lucy Lee, the 19 year old. Uh, we met Lucy, you know, when she was 11 or 12 years old and competed in the 2014 U.S. Women's Open. She now is an Epson Tour player, earned her card. She was the first player to earn her card for the 2023 season. Um, she came short this week and, and finished fourth, but thought it was pretty cool. Did you get to watch her at all? Uh, I didn't actually get to see that much of her except on TV on Sunday, just from the time we were out there. But really an interesting event from the lead up to Sunday where you had Lexi Thompson, the final group, Lydia Ko was right there, Brooke Henderson, Leona McGuire were all kind of lurking. And then Gabby Lopez and Megan Kang, both in the same group, several groups ahead of the leaders go out and go super low, shooting 63-64. And they had great TV coverage this week. There wasn't a ton on television on uh, Thursday, Friday, or, you know, take away college football on Saturday, but on Sunday, if you were interested in watching, lots of great coverage. They even started the coverage half an hour early on Sunday. That's right. Because they moved the tee times and you got to see a lot of the golf, but it was interesting at the end, you know, Carolyn Masson kind of had a chance, but she, you know, make a double eagle on the last hole to get into a playoff. So the last few groups, once uh, Lucy Lee bogeyed 16, kind of became a little anticlimactic. And the stars, you know, that you kind of thought were going to really play well and get into the mix, didn't you? Lexi really, really struggled to a couple over par 73 and fell all the way down to 16th place from the, the last group. And Lydia Coe shot even par. So none of those kind of four big players really got themselves into the mix on, on the back nine, but credit to Gabby Lopez, her third victory. I mean, it's a lot of validation. You win once, I think that proves something to players. You win a second time, that's also even more validation. But once you start, you know, three wins all of a sudden seems to be taking your career to kind of the next level where it's, hey, I've won, you know, it's you, you take the, the quote-unquote fluke win, if you will, out of it and really substantiates and validates your career. And good to see Megan Kang, a Solheim Cup player from last year, uh, you know, get in the mix and, and be right there as well. But an interesting tournament, just how it evolved from, as usual, at Highland Meadows, it seems like every year it's a race to about 20 under and 18 under one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I laugh about Lexi because we often talk about how she, you know, just can't finish or win um and it's been an it's been interesting to look at her results this season because she was you know she had these top five ten finishes um she's had one two three four five six six top ten finishes but the last four events she's played in two of them she missed the cut the canadian cp women's open tied for 36 and then this week fell off with that 73 to over par uh fourth round so i don't know i don't know like does she like lose steam like it's it's yeah. just like it's a bummer <laughs> she seemed to have a little bit on sunday especially as people were flying up the leaderboard and she was yeah. starting to fall behind around the turn she seemed to have a fairly conservative strategy she hit her two iron a bunch off the tee 
maybe that was predetermined, but the conditions were a little softer than they typically are. It was kind of wet and overcast on Sunday. It just kind of felt like to me there were some moments on some of the par fours where maybe she needed to try to push the ball down the fairway a little bit more, maybe give herself a wedge in hand, try to stuff one in there to get some momentum. Um, I know sometimes in golf it's hard to create momentum, but a couple par fives, she hit two iron off the tee and left herself some pretty substantial second shots in. And it's it's tough to when – when you're not getting a lot of mojo going and you kind of feel like you're – just kind of stuck in neutral. I think sometimes maybe you got to deviate from the plan and try to almost force some birdies. Because at that point, for a player that's as established as her, if you're forced trying to make birdies and you don't, what's the difference? You're not trying mm-hmm. to protect fifth place. Right. Yeah. But it is nice to see, like, the this stretch of events that, you know, most all the players show up. Um, yeah which is something obviously we don't get on the PGA tour. Like they do not show up regularly to events such as this one. Um, and so it is something the LPGA certainly has going for it. And, uh, we'll, we'll continue to see like how, you know, how that shifts, but, um, yep, good to have a, a good feel. Yeah. There's a lot of publicity. I think they had 40 of the top 50 players, really a very strong field for an event that's kind of struggled to find its place on the calendar traditionally a July event when it's been hot possibly rainy that the Labor Day weekend or lead up into Labor Day I think worked out reasonably well it's none of it's ideal from a scheduling standpoint like we talked about you're in an area that's obsessed with high school football college football so that that I think hurts some attendance on Friday and maybe Saturday a little bit, but Saturday they started pretty early. We were out there and we saw most of the golf and were kind of out of there by two o'clock. So it wasn't an all day, all afternoon type affair. So hopefully the the event continues. Um, This is the first year with Dana as the title sponsor after marathon sponsoring for a while. And we'll see. I mean, obviously, you know, you and I want to see the event continue. I live here. We house a player. We enjoy going. But uh, the, um, you know, at least like you said, when the LPGA plays, some of it due to scheduling, the events tend to get the best players. Yeah. And this was another good example of that. Yeah. Well, you have to tell us about playing in the Pro-Am. Sure. So I was invited by a buddy of mine to play in the Pro-Am. It is a four-person and a pro scramble. You play with two different pros on each nine. So the front nine, we played with uh, Stephanie Meadow, who went to, who's from Northern Ireland, went to the University of Alabama. She's had a very solid career, having a pretty decent year. Um, yeah. Curse of, you know, being around me. She didn't miss the cut uh, by a couple, but very nice player, great caddy. Uh, unfortunately, this year with school back in session, Normally, you get a caddy, like a high school kid or junior high kid, and you get to yeah. walk around with the players and interact with the players. But this year, we were all in carts, and the player and the caddy walked. So that really limited a lot of your interaction. I did hear, you know, with the ropes and the carts without the tops, there were a couple instances where people 
um, you know, drove carts through the rope lines, snapped <laughs> off some driver heads, things, <laughs> things of that nature. So, you know, it's uh, it's always dangerous out there in their pro-ams. And then on the back nine, we played with Catherine Perry Hamsky. She's in the North Carolina area. Her husband, Kevin, was her caddy. Great experience. Uh, they have a young child out on tour with them. Um, she also, unfortunately, missed the cut as well. But our team ended up finishing 14 under, and 15 under was the winning score. So we were right there. So you there. guys held the team together. A couple missed putts on the back nine and a, and a missed birdie opportunity from about 110 yards away. But it was a great experience. It's fun to see the golf course up close, even though it's a course I played a fair amount and see how it's set up and then just get to, you know, interact with the players. And I give these pros a lot of, a lot of credit because a couple groups in front of us was one of my personal favorite players, Leona McGuire and the four gentlemen that teed off on the pro-am, not a single one of them got the ball in the air past the end of the tee box in her group. We had a toe shank, a heel shank, a dribbler, and I, I guess you would call it kind of a, a top flare. So it was a, a long day for the pros, but the nine hole, nine hole mix up is kind of fun. I think if the pro gets a group where the guys don't really golf and they're there because of a business connection or were invited for whatever reason, they're only stuck with them for nine holes. And from the participant side, you get to meet and interact with a couple different players. So the pro-am was a lot of fun. We played yeah. well and, we're right there on the end. It was a really nice day. Had a nice afternoon tea time. So really positive yeah. experience. A lot of fun. Uh, I played last year, but with Emma Talley, and we only had got in nine holes because of rain. So oh. these are the, you know, the first two years I've been invited to Pro-Am and hope to do it again. Well, now I just need to, like, weasel my way into an invite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that I can play next it, year. It's a big check to cut, and it's nice to get invited. I'll admit that. I am, I'm not in the, the position to cut the check, but it's nice to be included in these types of things. So you uh, you definitely need to talk to somebody about getting on uh, someone's team. And they set forward tees for this event. So you would have a very, very nice advantage. You wouldn't have to play from the pro tees. No, of course not. Yes, that would be fabulous. Um, And no, I definitely agree. I think it's great that you get to interact with more than one player for, you know, the whole round. Um, And then, yes, like you said, I give these women and athletes so much credit for playing with these people and like their patience, their hosting, like it is just this whole thing. On top of that, they're also trying to like practice for the week. So, yeah. Right. Well, I heard some funny stories from people I talked to about. You know, you'll get a younger guy or a better, longer hitter that's maybe cutting some corners or hitting shots because it's a scramble that you would never hit into certain places in a real golf tournament. You know, just in terms of pushing the ball and, you know, short of a creek or hitting the ball into an area that's maybe a rough lined area, but it leaves you, you know, 80 yards in. And it's a, it's a, you get some interesting, uh, caddy and player comments because some of the players are using it as a practice round. Some of them are using it as a kind of grow the game type situation. But we made the mistake uh, early in the front nine with Stephanie Meadow of picking up her tee ball before her caddy got to see kind of where it was and what the yardage was. So, you know, they're always charting the course and working on strategy and 
things of that yeah. nature. But I think I had a friend of mine said that his pro was very eager to play her T-ball despite where anyone else's T-ball was, which I thought was kind of funny. I can see that. Yeah. Right. Right. If you don't have a lot of reps on the golf course or you haven't seen the golf course a lot, you want to know, okay, what does this second shot look like? You know, hitting a ball from the rough that's 80 yards away versus, you know, 120 in the fairway where they might be doesn't necessarily help you because someone cut a corner or bounced one through a bunker. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Just because there's like lucky shots out there doesn't mean right. Exactly. That's funny. Um. Well, glad that you got to participate in that. Hopefully, we can get on the same team next year. Maybe somebody's just like going to really want us both out there. (laughs) That would be incredible. I know. We can recruit our own fangled team for this, and you know, get a couple good players. Get you out there hitting bomb drivers from the forward tees, and yeah, there we go. Let's go. And like, hey, we'd cover it. Give us a call date open. We right. are open to doing this. <laughs> I was repping my For the Ladies head cover. You know, I, I know. would do my best. I love it. Um, anything about the fan experience that you want to speak to? You know, anything that Stephanie had to share about it? Sure. I mean, we've gone to this event a lot. I went a lot as a kid. And then I didn't mm-hmm. go for a prolonged period of time. In the last several years, have gone more. Yeah. I think... Like any LPGA event, and we talked about this a little bit with the Women's Open at Pine Needles where maybe just wasn't the venue to make it easy to see a lot of holes or get to a lot of places. I think these events just need to continue to do things to you know, increase fan engagement, increase the enjoyment, especially for kids and young people, you know, some sort of a kid zone, some sort of a family friendly aspect to it. Try to, you know, maybe, you know, the women's open had a happy hour during portions of play, things of that nature to try to get rally the business community, get people out there, get people to see how good the level of golf is. Um, And, you know, just keep to kind of push the envelope there. I think, you know, I love this event. I've said this a million times. It's it's a hometown event. It's the, the first professional golf tournament I ever went to was when it was the Jamie Farr Classic. And you know, I want to see it succeed. I want to see it be the best version of itself that it can. And I think it's I don't want to say that it's it's gotten a little stale, but I think it needs a little bit of a a, a revamp to to keep it fresh, to keep it unique and to keep it special not just in the community but for the players for the fans and what was the um party deck that they did a few years ago they they've kind of they had that going several years ago especially on friday where they you know encouraged a lot of you know younger business people to come out to number 14 and which you know is a par three it's a little bit of a walk from the entrance and they'd have you know caddy races and throw t-shirts and stuff like that. But there wasn't the buzz for that this year. They still had the, I don't know if it was Labatt or Coors Light was the sponsor of kind of the, the tent right there. But, you know, those types of things, maybe that needs to move to a hole that's more centrally located or easier for people to get to. But I think it's the, you know, the LPGA is a great product. I think you just need to put it, 
in the best light possible and going to tournament to tournament. Every venue's different. Every town's different. Crowd support's different. I think you really got to, you know, make an effort to make it kid friendly, make it family friendly, get the business community behind it and do things that drive people to the event. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised they didn't like take learnings from the Solheim cup. Like we laugh, but like the Lido deck, the Meyer pavilion, obviously the Meyer pavilion is a huge investment, but like, what can you do to tailor it to more of your smaller um, scale event? And whether that is something like the party deck again, um, but like, what were the things that really like people gravitated to? And with the Meyer pavilion, you knew you were going to get a lot of access to seeing a lot of different holes at Inverness. So like, is there a location where you can create the party deck of sorts where there is at like, an opportunity to see a lot of golf, um, aside from just a par three. Uh, they also did the like ping sponsor, the kids area to me, like Sylvania Toledo, it is a family town. So like you right. should be catering to that group of people. And if it's creating a really fun, like kids zone that you can go take your kids to, um, then like, you know, tag into that. Um, you know, if I was, you know, tournament director for the day, these are kind of the things that I would, I would try to think about and like what succeeds in Toledo. Like I, you know, we laugh that we, you and Stephanie go to these like festivals, but like clearly like festivals are a hit in, in Toledo, like festivals, fairs, all of those types of things. Yeah. And like, what can you like learn from those types of events and bring into the LPGA tour event? If you, if that's what you know, that your audience already enjoys doing. Right. Um, so, and you know, the, the Dana open is not the only tournament that has this problem. It's probably a league wide issue. Um, and it just depends on the location. Canadian women's open, like they've, they've, figured it out a little bit. Um, and I'm sure there are certainly other events on the calendar outside of the majors, um, that have figured out like what works for them. And, uh, it's just been interesting to see like what we've seen with PJ tours, things get stale. So like, just like, how can we, how can they continue to elevate the experience, elevate what it means to win an event? Um, and I, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but it, it is just interesting to see it in person at yeah. your hometown. Yeah. No, 100% agree. I think at the end of the day, also, we can't forget everything costs money. And, right. well, you know, some of these events are struggling to keep sponsorships. We talked about this was the first year of a new sponsor. I'm sure the folks involved would love to have a laundry list of things they'd love to do if they had a budget where it didn't yeah. matter. And yeah, definitely. There's, there's little thing, you know, you look at like the popularity of food trucks. Well, maybe you can't bring in food trucks because you have a catering contract and the catering company says, well, we don't want that competition taking away from our sales. So there's always a a yin and yang to this. It's kind of like I talked about with the happy hour or, you know, Friday afternoon, you know, all the drinks or beers or something are half off. That all sounds good, but maybe it just can't logistically be done because it's coming out of somebody's pocket. But these are all ideas to try to keep it fresh, try to keep it, you know, targeting younger and, you know, targeting more family friendly. And like I said, at the end of the day, I hope this event succeeds. I hope this event continues to take place because it does mean a lot to the community. And let's not forget the charitable donation aspect to this tournament over the yeah. course of its history is unbelievable. It is a credit. Oh, nice 
to those, to Judd Silverman that started it and still runs it. There's a lot of children's charities throughout Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan that benefit every year from the dollars raised from the Pro-Am, from sponsors. And, you know, that's, you know, what they really pride themselves on. I think we're looking at it more from a, a fan engagement, which, while important, might be, you know, a secondary factor. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, th- we're going to shut the door on the Dana Open until next year. Can't wait to play in the Pro-Am. Can't uh, wait. But <laughs> next week, uh, the LPGA heads to Cincinnati for a new event, the Kroger Queen City Championship presented by P&G. Um, and I, I noticed that P&G also sponsors an event two weeks later in Arkansas, um, at a Walmart event that's been going on for years now. Um, but it looks like this Cincinnati event when you're kind of staying in this area, it's probably easy to travel to. Uh, it's a good field. 14 of 20, 2022 LPGA Tour winners are competing. Um, Lucy Lee played her way into this week's event with her fourth place finish. Uh, this is, I think this might be the Sophia Popov rule. Um, the LPGA recently changed a rule to allow non-members who finish in the top 10 in designated events to tee it up the next week. PGA Tour has a similar rule now. Um, I remember, you know, when Sophia won the AIG Women's Open, she didn't get into week uh, events following that victory. Um, so good to see, like, we can evolve, things can change, and so you can continue to, and, you know, Lucy Lee is a name people know, and it's great that um, she is able to compete next week while she has her card already secured for next year. Yeah, Kenwood Country Club. Uh, nice old style traditional golf course outside of Cincinnati. Unfortunately, they have been inundated with rain. Oh. They, I don't even know if the course opened today. I saw, I think it's Ann Kane from Titleist t- tweeted out that uh, the course was closed. The owner McGuire put some stuff on Instagram that it was, uh, you know, underwater. I think they got five inches last week and a couple oh. inches maybe overnight so you hate to see that for a new event that's got a a great sponsor and kroger and a big company like png kind of supporting on the back end he put all this work in to bring a new event to town and the course is underwater and i don't think the forecast it looks great the next couple days either so best of luck to those people but this is a great new event good television coverage good field Always interesting to see new venues, uh, things of that nature. So I'm optimistic for this event. I know some people that are members down at Kenwood that were excited to have the event come to uh, the area. Not an area that gets much of any professional golf. So nice for them. And hopefully they catch a break and, you know, things can go on uh, without a hitch. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to just see how that all comes together. You'll have to let us know if any of your friends go and just what they thought of the experience. But I'm excited to follow that one along. Um, The following week is the Amazing Cree Portland Classic. That event is also a longstanding event, but seems to have changed sponsors year over year. You know, in 2021, they had to move the venue to Oregon Golf Club because of, unfortunately, homelessness in Portland, Oregon, and people were building camps at the golf course. Um, I know that they're past that now. They brought the tournament back, but... um, 
yeah, excited. You know, it's a good event. It's it's exciting for them. I, it's kind of a weird one in which like you go from Cincinnati to Portland, Oregon. Um, yeah. Is is just interesting, and how can they you know change the schedule a little bit better? Maybe we're going from California to the Pacific Northwest instead, um, because then following that is the Walmart Northwest Arkansas Championship, another really strong event on the LPGA Tour, um, followed by the Ascendant LPGA Benefiting Volunteers of America, which is in Dallas, um, and that that gets us to October. So. Um, lot of events like the the tour is still rolling on <laughs> right right and that's what we talked about you know Anna Bilat stayed with us again from Duke this week and former Epson tour uh winner uh who was a rookie last year had a good rookie season and is trying to kind of refine some form this year and you feel like you know if you follow the men's tour that their season's wrapping up and they're going to start their new season here before we know it and if you're a player that's trying to get footing on the LPGA Tour, you know, you had Canada, Toledo, Cincinnati, Portland, Arkansas, and Dallas, you know, yeah. all in a row. You've got a lot of events to to make some hay. And then there's a California event, and then they kind of have an Asian swing and a couple Florida events. So there's still a lot of LPGA golf left to see. There's a lot of things that can happen. This is kind of when Jin Young Ko got super hot last oh, year. Yeah. And maybe there's someone else that does that. But, you know, if you if you haven't had a great season, there's a couple months to turn it around. And if you've had a good season, there's a couple months to take it to the stratosphere. Yeah, definitely. Um, some some news, some women's golf news that I figured we could quickly touch on. So I already mentioned Lucy Lee, um, but I also wanted to share that Zawin Yin also secured her LPGA Tour card for 2023. Um, I need to look. I, I, at the top 10 get the, the card and then also sponsorship from Epson. Um but need to look. I need to for our next episode. We'll look deeper into what does that look like. What does getting on to the LPGA Tour in twenty twenty three look like? But those two have secured their card, and LPGA Tour Q School has started. Um, they're through stage one, um, and stage two has has completed. Um, and I felt like we at least had to mention. Um, Haley Davidson fell short in stage two of qualifying. She was seeking to become the first transgender, transgender woman on tour. Um, certainly brought a lot of conversation back up to light. Um, and she is, she would like to plan the Epson tour in 2023 and is, is raising funds to do that. So, uh, we'll, we'll have to dive in at some point to the Epson tour and just like how people are getting in. Um, I know like corn Ferry on the men's side recently had their final. So, um, we'll, we'll have to dive into that as we get closer. Um, but aside from that, the only thing I wanted to bring up was Stanford women's golf won the Carmel cup by 13 strokes <laughs> over Texas A&M. That was going to uh, be my fun one. fact. Oh yeah. Yeah. I said another, another, the college golf season has started and, uh, the, the Stanford Cardinal won and Rose won again. And all is right in the golfing world. And, you, and it was funny. We watched Aline Crowder, former Stanford player, play this week who had a good week at the Dana Open and was still rocking the Stanford bag, even though nice. playing as a professional. But they lose a player that's having success professionally and replace her with Megagane. So 
Yeah. Yep, and Mega finished second. So right. <laughs> uh, they're going to be just I, I fine. Think, yeah, Ann Walker and the Cardinal are going to be A-OK. Yes, definitely. Um, so do you, do you have any fun facts for us to wrap up the episode? <laughs> no, that was going to be my fun fact, just to say, hey, did you see who won another tournament? So that was uh, that's all I got for uh, this uh, this Labor Day recording. Well, I have one fun fact for you. Uh-oh. So earlier mentioned that there have been eight first-time LPGA Tour winners this season. Do you know what the record is for the most first-time winners in a season? Eleven. Oh, like twenty eleven. No, I'm just saying there was. A, I don't know what the year was. I'm gonna say with the most, the record for most first time winners in a season. I'm gonna say is eleven wins. Eleven. That flights. is correct. And really? do you know what year? Not a clue. Yeah, I figured it was in 1995. Mm. Um, and then in the second would be. Uh, there were 10 wins in 2018 and some names that really stick out are like Nelly Corda, Marina Alex. Um, it was, it was a solid year. I think Nasa Hataoka won that year. Uh, so, so big year for uh, first time winners and clearly the strong like class. Um, so I thought that, thought that was an interesting one as we now just move into another part of the season, <laughs> another part of the season. I All mean, right, we've well, got lots of golf left. Lots of golf left. Uh, we probably have an in-person episode coming because Perfect. we'll be in Toledo in, in two weeks. Um, so look forward to doing it all over again with you. Hey, you know, we do our best work when we're uh, we're all together. And that it's so true. Yeah, this is way better in person. Um, oh, and the the fans are going to get to see our new podcast cover thanks to the beautiful photography at our wedding. Uh oh, there we go. <laughs> There we go. All right. Thanks, Justin. Have a great night, Abby. Thank you. You too.